Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Back in episode 24, we talked to Colonel George Milton about failure. Today, we're flipping the script. In this episode, we're talking about success. My guest is Fred Stubick, former quarterback for the Naval Academy, Navy veteran, business leader, startup CEO, and now author. Fred is someone who has enjoyed tremendous success in his career in both sports and business. We're discussing why so many people miss out on achieving their goals. This is a powerful episode that you don't want to miss. So, are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Fred Stubick. Fred is someone who has enjoyed incredible success in a number of different areas in his career. He was inducted into the the Pennsylvania Sports Hall of Fame for achievements in football, basketball, baseball, and track. He played football at the Naval Academy, where he lettered for three years as quarterback for the midshipmen. He served as a naval officer like myself. He also held key leadership positions in both public and private companies. He also led several business startups. And what's uh, what we're going to talk about today is he's written two amazing books about success. So I'm excited to have him on the show today to talk about how we can all achieve greater success in our careers. So Fred, welcome. Uh, John, thank you for having me on. It's an honor. I look forward to talking with you. Tell us a little bit about your background. How did your involvement in sports at a young age, how did that build such a strong foundation for you in, for your entire career, both in the Naval Academy, in the military, and then through business leadership? Well, I grew up in a small coal mining town. Uh, I was actually born in West Virginia and raised in southwestern Pennsylvania. And we had four seasons. We had uh, football, basketball, uh, and we had track and baseball, and I participated in in, in every season. And, you know, as as a result, uh, you know, I was just used to practice, the regimen. I never really had much idle time. And the people in the community were solid people, good values, solid work ethic. So that all kind of resonated with me and it was one of the reasons I also decided to go to the Naval Academy was uh, the, the, the place resonated with me. Uh, I just took a look around. Uh, I just liked what I saw. I looked at the values and what they represented. I thought it would make me a better person and I thought it was a good fit for me. And as it turned out, it was a, it was a good decision. And, you know, I, again, I was always a very disciplined, regimented person and this was just a natural evolution in in my uh, in my growth and 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 becoming uh, becoming an individual. You know, and and you had an opportunity to go to other universities, but you chose the Naval Academy. And the Naval Academy is not exactly an easy place to go to school. I mean, you have 
you're talking about varsity sports football team, which is a very uh, it's it, it's got a high center of focus, right? Everybody's watching the football team. They want to win. You got to beat Army every year, right? So you're on. You're part of that. You also have the discipline of being in the military for the first time. So as a plebe and going through all that, uh, and then you have your studies on top of that. So you chose a very difficult path, and as you mentioned, um, it required hard work, discipline, uh, focus, right, to get through those four years. I'd imagine. Yeah. Yes, it did. Uh- you know, looking back, I mean, my dad played football for West Virginia and it was always, always thought that I would go to West Virginia or, or Penn state and play for one of those two schools. And I had offers from both. However, when I went on the recruiting trip to the Naval Academy, I was captivated. I just said, I have to go here. I came back and I told my parents that I'm going to go to the Naval Academy. My mother started crying she said, no, you're not. You're not going to go to Vietnam. I said, Mom, if I don't go, you know, who, who's going to go? I said, yeah, we just all can't have that attitude. And But anyhow, it was uh, it was something I believe in. It was a chance to serve my country. And uh, you're right. It was a tough environment at the Naval Academy. We, uh, we had a 1960s schedule in the 1970s recruiting environment. We had the second toughest schedule in the nation. I believe Northwestern had the first toughest. And so... Week in and week out, we were pretty much the underdog, but it, it, it taught us to be resilient and to never give up. And, you know, we worked together as a team. We lose as a team. But uh, we had a very strong bond that carries on, you know, to this day. In the middle of all that, we had our military duties. We had our studies, you know, the engineering, electrical engineering, celestial navigation, uh, weapon systems engineering, all the courses that excited me. So it was it was pretty uh, you didn't have much free time, so to speak. And any free time you did have was taken up by football because to practice, you would have to come early before the brigade return. You'd have to give up two weeks leave. And it was also optional as a quarterback to come back a week early for some skill training. So the net result is I had about eight or nine days of vacation every year. Mm or leave. And that, that was it. So, you know, it's just like you, John, I mean, when you were on a Tennessee, you're out under the water, you're in the water there for, for weeks, months on end, you come back, you get a few days off. You think it's a pretty good deal. Don't you? You do. Yeah. Gives you- exactly. So yeah. when I, when I, when, when I got, when I got out of the military and I got into the civilian world, I mean, we had weekends off and we were deployed for six to eight months. I thought it was a pretty good deal. I was just surprised why everybody was complaining. <laughs> it's funny you're saying that because I have a whole chapter in my new book talking about hard times and how they give you a fresh and new perspective and how I, exactly the same thing. I got into, you know, working my first job in the in the civilian sector and I thought this this is so much easier than I ever expected. I you know, the, there's no rough seas, you know, I'm not trying to take a ship to periscope depth. We're not uh, sneaking away from uh, a potential ship or submarine out there. It was just, it just seemed easy every day compared to what we had seen and what we went through. So I think hard times do give you a really interesting perspective. So. Yeah, y- yes, it does. And uh, it also taught, taught uh, me and you the value of, of working together as a team. I mean, for example, you're on the Tennessee. You're thrown in with a bunch of people. You didn't pick them. They didn't pick you. Exactly. You're there. They yes. could be from wherever. Yes. But you have to work with these people and get along. 
You have a, uh, a, a mission to accomplish. You have to work together as a team. You win or lose as a team. And you develop a routine and, and, and a, uh, a, a protocol for success. Uh, you drill. You practice. And if you look at it, that is excellent training for, for, uh, for business. Mm. And I think one of the problems some of these young people have, and again, I'm not picking on the young people. I'm just saying I've seen this is they tend to associate with like-minded individuals mm. of a click. They in school, when they're in college, they all hang out together and they associate with like-minded individuals. And then when they get out and get with another organization or company, all of a sudden they're thrown in with this host of characters that they're not familiar with, and it becomes a challenge for them. And uh, yeah, you know, that, yeah. that's a problem. It is a problem. We had to get along with whoever we were deployed with, right? There was no substituting a sailor if you didn't like him or another officer if you didn't get along, right? You're, you're, the, the hatch is shut. You're gone for 90 days. And you you learn to get along with people you had different opinions with uh, or had disagreements with, and uh, you learn to get along. So I think I think it taught us a lot about trying to find common ground. Right? That today we don't do that as much. Right? We we all have our you know our opinions, and we want our opinions to matter. But you know when you're trying to achieve a mission and you're locked in a metal tube, you learn to you know compromise and work together. So yeah, and that was one of the things that. I mean, I'm sure you've you've hired a lot of people as well, but uh, you know, my former uh, positions uh, had to hire a lot of people, and uh, I, I have to admit that I was biased towards those people with military experience. Mm-hmm. I think the military experience is a is 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 great experience. It helps prepare you for business by working with a team, by being disciplined, by by showing up, and by being able to follow routine and being able to handle adversity and and some of the uh, rigid uh, circumstances to come up. So uh, I wasn't disappointed with my hires. Anytime somebody had military experience, I'm yeah, sure you weren't either. Were same, you? same, same thing. And even today in my company, I have military uh, veterans and I just, I think, I think you're right. And I think part of it is when you've been through tough times and you have, you have uh, that perseverance, right? You don't let little things get you down. You keep, you keep pressing forward. I've got a gentleman who works for me, uh, who was uh, Iraq, uh, Afghanistan as a Marine. And, you know, you can't stop him. He's going to get it done no matter what. And that's what I like about him. So that's good. So um, when you when you think about your time as a leader in uh, in working in big companies and also your startup companies, how did how do you think your your sports background, you know, being in team based sports, having to have discipline like that, and also your time as a, as a naval officer, how did that really help you as a leader in in the businesses when you ran them? Yeah, I, uh, you know, if you if you look at if you look at uh, leadership, I mean, I, I think one of the things that surprised that, that that surprised me between the business between civilian life and military life was the confusion about positional authority versus personal authority. I mean, you have positional authority in the military, but in the civilian world, I think the personal authority is just as, is very important as well. And I think sometimes people tended to rely a little bit too much on the positional authority. I, I think that one of the things that, surprised me in the business world was the 
lack of leadership and the lack of accountability uh, that existed. Uh, there were many people that were appointed simply because they could sell a lot of hmm. this or that. And it wasn't really based on leadership capability. And I, I, I think that leadership in and of itself cannot necessarily be taught. It has to be learned in an environment where the cultures and values are sustained on a day-to-day basis and reinforced. And as long as you have that sustainability and a, an organization that will adhere to those core values throughout time, then you have the chance to learn that leadership. But I, I, and that's very difficult. Do you understand what I'm saying, John? Yeah, well, I think, you know, when you kind of go back to the military, there was that uh, cultural foundation that existed, right, as far as, um, you know, duty, honor, you, you know, there was, there was, there was tradition. So there was something there, right? And you, and you built your leadership in those constraints or in those, in that world. Whereas when you get to a lot of companies, sometimes that exists, sometimes it doesn't exist. So uh, the way to be an effective leader is having that organization where you do have those cultures, that culture that exists that, for example, uh, in our business, one of the most important things we say is a show of respect, right? We, we respect each other. And that's one of our core values as a company. And we're living it every day. And as part of our culture, as part of who we are. And, uh, and it's something that I do to my people and then my leaders do it to their people. And it's something that's consistent within the organization. It's something that becomes a uh, a norm, a business, uh, part of our culture, and the way who who we are as a business. Yeah, and, and you know some of the some of the protocols or habits from the military uh, carry well over into civilian life. For example, uh, the need to drill, the need to be disciplined, but also the need to have a contingency plan. Mm-hmm. It was again another thing that surprised me in the, in the civilian world was the lack of contingency planning. Uh, in other words, okay, we're going to do this. And I would say, what if that doesn't work out? Well, of course it's going to work out. Well, you know, John, as you know, it doesn't always work <laughs> out that way. No. So you, you need to be, you need to have a, have a backup plan. And it's those, it's a, it's a little details that get you. You heard the expression from small rocks to avalanches begin. Well, you can do 97 and 98 things out of a hundred, right. But there's that one or two other issues that will come around and they'll plague you and become a problem. So it's, it's the attention to detail and that repetition and the training and the drilling, it, it all, it all comes together. And I think it's very valuable experience for, uh, and transferable to the civilian world. Yeah, I, think, so. I think so as well. Absolutely. So let's talk about your first book. We're going to get into both your books, but I want to talk about your first book, which I've got right here. And it starts with you. And um, this is an interesting book. Um, you know, uh, it's about success, right? And how to how to achieve success in your life and your career. Let before we start into the book, I want to talk a little bit about what well, how do you how would you define success? You've written a book about it, so how do you define it? I would I would define success as Doing something that you're good at, that you feel it makes a difference, and doing it well on a day-to-day basis, and uh, and then if you do that, I think the rest of the stuff will follow. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's why you need that alignment. You have to do something that you believe in, that's a good fit for you, and will f- and you'll be fulfilled. Otherwise, you can have you're going to have a mismatch and you're going to have a problem. But it should be something that you believe in. Okay, and it's a good fit because if you don't believe in it, John, it's going to come back and it's going to bite bite you in the butt later on, 
because the money can be good, but then you find yourself dealing with all this stuff you don't really believe in becomes a hassle. And then you lose balance. It spills over into your personal life. And the next thing you know, you wonder what happened. Wonder mm-hmm. why, and that's because you're not properly aligned. It's interesting you said that because, you know, the answer you gave did not talk about a private jet or uh, fancy cars or a big house on uh, on the ocean. Um, it's about um, doing what you were meant to do and doing it well. It sounds sounds like from your definition, which is interesting because I was on a podcast recently and someone asked me that about what my definition of success is. And my answer was very similar to what you just talked about, which was, and for me, it was the idea of working hard towards a goal over a long period of time. And then finally one day achieving that goal and having that five minutes of just saying, I did it. I did what I set out to do and having that just little, and it's not something, you know, it's sort of a breather, look, look around say, I finally did what I tried, what I set out to do. And then you go off to the next one. You go after whatever the next target you're after or what have you. But it's that chance to little, uh, for me, it was a little five minutes just say, you know, I did it. I did what I was, what I said I was going to do. And that to me is success is just going after something and finally achieving that dream. So. Yeah. yeah. My, uh, when I, when I transitioned from the military civilian world, uh, it's a it's a long story, and this, this could be the, the the subject of another podcast. But uh, the, the set of circumstances was such that I ended up in a position where I was very excited about this opportunity, and I hadn't been because I've been looking for months. And then this opportunity came up with this with a company called Siemens. It was in the medical system division. I thought this was amazing technology could really help people. But when I got home after I accepted the job, my wife goes. What's the salary? I said, I, I don't know. <laughs> she says, is there a bonus situation? I says, I really don't know. I just said, I'm in. And I shook hands. And I figured it would work out. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, never, I never picked a position based on money. I've always felt if you're good at something and, and you like it, that's, you know, other people are going to pick up on that. The money will follow. It usually, I mean, the other way. In reverse does not work long term. It, it can work short term, mm-hmm. but it can't work long term. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. Yep. The money will come if you're doing something you love and you're good at it, you're gonna it it'll follow. It'll follow. Mm-hmm. So um you um so why do you think, I mean, you know, we're gonna talk about the book a little bit, but why do you think so many people miss out on their goals, miss out on the things that they're trying to achieve? I mean, there's there's you know probably thousands of self-help books out there and ways that you can try to improve yourself. Why do you think that most people come up short on their goals? Well, I, it's, it it could be a a number of things. I think number one, it's, uh, it's a lack of discipline. Mm. Okay. Uh, And number two is, uh, I mean, if you're, if you're disciplined, you then should have the ability to define the goals and identify the obstacles, follow a routine, uh, because, I mean, you can be motivated, John, but you're not always going to be motivated. So therefore, you need to be disciplined. Mm-hmm. OK, so you need to have that discipline and you need to have that commitment. OK, when I say commitment, you need that determination, belief in what you're doing. OK, so if you have that discipline and if you have that uh, commitment and you're you're good at what you're you're doing then you're gonna then you're gonna have to be able to persevere and you're gonna have to be able to 
handle those tough, those tough situations, be able to accept failure, learn from it, adapt, and move on. So why aren't a lot of people successful? Uh, it could be a lack of discipline. It could be they're not really committed to what they're doing and don't believe in it. Okay. It could be that they've never had a chance or an opportunity to experience failure Hmm. or to encounter adverse circumstances. I mean, for example, John, if you've been told you're special your entire life, you get trophies for showing up and never been criticized and go to schools where they help you get through and get good grades. All of a sudden we get out in the real world. It's a real shock to your system. Hmm. If you follow me. Yeah, you're not you're you're not resilient, right? You're you're fragile. You haven't been tested, right? So, um, you know, if you look at your career coming through sports, I mean, uh, even before you got the Naval Academy, you were being tested in sports all the time, right? And you mm-hmm. you won and you lost, right? And there was lessons in both, right? And you're mm-hmm. you're doing that. Then you get the Naval Academy. You're learning the discipline side of uh, what it takes to to be a future naval officer, and also in the middle of you know, playing a very, very focused sport, very highly visible uh, sport there. Then you come into the business world. So I think all these things tie in together to make you uh, a resilient person because you've faced a lot of adversity through through your time. And so I think, you know, you know when I when I look for people and I'm hiring people, I actually look yep. for the people that have have overcome tough things and they have that have faced diversity and come come out on the other side because I want to see people who have grit people that can stick to things even when they get hard that's really important to me and if I if I was describe any characteristic I have as a person that would be the one characteristic I have I'm not uh, I'm, I might have a degrees but if I have if I have an, one of my degrees all it is is just hard work right I mean the, yeah it's not that I'm smart it's just that I've I've never quit. And that's uh, been a big part of my career. It sounds like for you, it's been the same thing. You know, you face tough times, you persevere through it. I think how you, how an individual handles adversity is probably the biggest challenge in their life. Hmm. And being able to maintain your composure during, you know, when situations are tough and, and, and keeping a cool head and crafting a recovery plan, having the resolve to stay on course to get it done, and that, that's that's all so important. And like it was a JFK said, uh, "Grace under pressure is one of the most admirable human traits." Yes. Well, as you know, John, you know, anytime you've been involved in a difficult situation, how you react with the men and women under your charge is just as important as to what you, what you do. Okay. So your reaction sets the tone. Mm. And that's why when you talk about leadership, I mean, leadership is also body language and how you act. Well, when you're in an adverse situation, they see that you're rattled or flustered. That does not exactly imbue confidence in those trying those following you. So uh, you, you know, and and you really, I mean, you have to understand the diversities there. It's I call it awareness, acceptance, and action. You have mm. to be aware that it's there. Okay, you have to accept what's going on, and you have to 
craft a plan of, of action to get it. And by the same time, uh, you have to be resilient and you have to ensure that you have the right people in the right place to handle this because not all people can handle adverse mm. or difficult situations. But by the same token, those some, some people will be valuable later on. So you have to protect those or at risk. And that's something a good leader is going to do as well. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Deep Leadership is brought to you by Strikeforce Energy. Strikeforce Energy is a veteran-owned company founded by a Navy SEAL, and their products are all made in the USA. Strikeforce Energy is a liquid flavor pack that you can add into any beverage. It has zero calories, zero carbs, and zero sugar. Each pack contains 80 milligrams of caffeine. Strikeforce Energy is offering a discount to all the listeners of Deep Leadership. Go to StrikeForceEnergy.com and enter the discount code I have the watch, one word, for a 20% discount on every order. Deep Leadership is also brought to you by my Amazon best-selling book, I Have the Watch, Becoming a Leader Worth Following. This book is filled with 23 short stories on how you can become a more effective leader. It's super easy to read and most people finish it in less than two hours. Go to IHaveTheWatch.com and click the large orange button for signed copies. Enter the discount code IHaveTheWatch, one word, at checkout for 20% off your order and domestic shipping is always free. Well, first of all, I mean, I think the book is great. I think the um, the fact that you cover about a third of the book uh, is 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 on uh, overcoming, uh, you know, persevering, overcoming adversity. I think that's that's really good to see because I think it's 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 not as talked about as much uh, in some of this, you know, self help or or success books. Is that you know um, that is you're going to face tough times. I mean, you you did a business startup. I'm in the middle of a business startup. Uh, I can tell you this, uh, you know, we wrote a great business plan. We had a great, uh, we knew what we were going to do. And, uh, uh, then, you know, life, life comes at you fast. Right. And then you're in the midst of, of building this brand and, you know, things, things change and you've just got to stick to it. And, and it's a roller coaster ride. Some days you're on top of the world, you land this big order. And the next day you've got a, you may have, maybe you have a quality problem or you have a delivery issue and you're, uh, or your cash flow is low and you're dealing with those kind of things. So you have to be in it for the long term and you have to be able to pers- persevere if you want to get to the end result of building a successful brand, a successful company. I mean, it's ent- entrepreneur's journey is not for the faint of heart. It's a difficult business. And uh, I think people people see this stuff on the Internet. They get a picture of a guy in front of a Mercedes and a and a private jet and they say hustle. And that's that's going to motivate you. Uh, you're going to need more than hustle. (laughs) Well, you know, if you look at the statistics for startups and all that, it's really not that good, John. No, it's not good at all. It's not good at all. (laughs) I think, uh, you know, eight out of 10 are out of business within two to three years and only 10% or less last longer than five. And, you know, when you talk about adversity, when I started up my last company, we did a SWAT, you know, we're we're starting it up. We did, okay, what are the, you, you know, the SWAT thing. Right, so we did, right. we did the threats and I like the numbers three, five, and 10. I said, okay, my two partners are, what are the 10 things that will kill our business? Let's, let's just list 10 things. So we, we, we put all, we put 10 down and we said, okay, well, we can handle two or three of these. 
uh, but we'll never get a complete, you know, never get a, you know, a full storm there. Well, wouldn't you know that, you know, things happen two ways, John, gradually and suddenly. We woke up one day, all of a sudden, seven out of the 10 were in front of us. And yeah. We're like, what happened? And I mean, it was, it was tough, but we got through it. And I think it was, again, I think my background was, was, uh, was helpful in that regard. I remember we, uh, we actually went and met with an attorney because my chief financial officer said, we need to file for bankruptcy. Hmm. We went in the meeting and we were there for about five minutes and I, I stopped. I said, nah, this ain't going to happen. I, 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 I turned to myself. I, I said that. I thought you said this was an administrative issue. I said, this is embarrassing. I said, this, we're not going to do this. I said, I'm excited about what's going on. We're going to get through this. We're going to move on. We're going to learn from it. And I said, and you and you, you're going to be better for it. So let's mm. get this. Yeah, and yeah. It, it, it turned out okay. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't easy, but it turned out okay. But I'm telling you, John, if you have that attitude and that resolve, Okay, you can get through just about anything, and that's that's what I mentioned in my in my book. I said, what are, what are the things that are most important? It's your mindset, and your habits, and your determination, and having the the discipline to and the to and the resiliency to uh, withstand the tough times that come your way, which because they will, and they they do. will come your way. Yeah, there's no avoiding them. Yeah, exactly. If you yeah. think, I mean, if things are going great for you, John, right now. Enjoy it because that's not going to be the case maybe 12 or 18 months from now, right? <laughs> Next week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. So, um, you no, know, some people, you know, I always say this when they say, oh, yeah, I'm thinking about starting a business. And my, my, in the back of my head, I'm saying, well, pack a lunch because it's, it's hard. It's very difficult and takes mm-hmm. a special breed. I think entrepreneurs are a special breed of people. And I think you have to almost come up through something like you, you did in your career and like myself where you you you've been through some tough times, so I think you can you can ride through that roller coaster of emotions and uh, just stay focused on the goal. And I think that's really important. So you need you need to ditch the rose colored glasses. Yes. Okay. Yes. And you need to accept that not everything is going to go the way that you want it to, and you have to be prepared for some t- tough times. But it, it's just with. I always say a crisis is is only bad if you respond negatively to Mm. it. Well, that may sound like a simple statement, but it goes to what I said earlier. It's how you react and how you respond. And that's what's, it's it's setting that tone. And I mean, John, you've been through some tough times and you've gotten through them, haven't you? Sure. Yeah. And have you seen other people, same circumstances or similar circumstances? Some of them folded, right? True. Yeah. 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 And the difference is your background, your resolve, your determination, and your ingenuity. And those are the things that it takes. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, it sure does. And I think that's, uh, uh, you know, uh, and if you heard, I've seen uh, Angela Duckworth's book on grit. I don't know if you've seen that book, but it's, no, one, of my favorite. It. it's one of my favorite books because I think she she nails it. And, uh, and she finally sort of uncovers. Um, she's actually sets out to find out why some what what are the what are the reasons why certain people get through beast barracks at West Point? So she was hired to study this, and she was it was it that you were an athlete? Was it the you came from certain background or family? Was it your education, your IQ? And she kept coming back to this one thing. All the research pointed out that th- these people had grit. They had this this level of perseverance. They had such a passion 
for their goal, whatever it was, like to be to be a uh, an army officer, that they weren't going to let the small things put 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 that goal away from them. They were going to achieve their goal no matter what. They had a passion and a persistence to get towards that goal. So, kind of an interesting book, and and uh, she didn't she didn't set out to discover that when she did her research, but that's mm-hmm. the one thing that came out was this. Uh, it's a passion and persistence towards a long-term goal. And that's what she calls grit. And I think that uh, when I, I didn't know it was called grit, but when I read the book, I said, I think that's probably what I've got. It's probably this just sort of passionate towards something like, you know, a naval officer, becoming a naval officer is not an easy thing to do. Becoming no. a, a nuclear submariner is not an easy thing to no. do. Getting your dolphins, you know, on a submarine is not an easy thing to do. You know, becoming a naval engineer uh, is not an easy thing to do. So, these things all require hard work, perseverance, but also a passion. You want to get there. You have this, this dream and desire to get there. So, no, it, it, exactly. And uh, I mean, you mentioned the uh, becoming a nuclear uh, officer. Uh, did you have an interview with Rick over by chance? Admiral no, Rick I was just outside that time frame. Yeah, no, I did not have it. So I had another admiral, but I still had to meet with an admiral as a midshipman. Uh, and do go through an interview process, which is a little intimidating. So that was the, the, the interviews with Rickover were the stuff of legend. They were absolutely. Yeah, I, one of my and you know I, I I think it was it was probably only one person, but I think the act has been attributed to many, particularly when there's alcohol involved. But you've <laughs> heard the one where he said, "Make me as mad as you can, or do something to upset me, or to get my attention." And the guy took a chair, walked over, and smashed the model of this of this submarine that was in his office. Yeah. You heard that one, right? Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah. I don't know who it was that did that, but uh, I, I know I, I, I know a few people have claimed to have been that person. So yes, anyhow. yes, I've heard that. And, yeah, being locked in a closet all day. One, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. These funny stories. So let, let's uh, let's shift gear here, just in terms of time. Uh, I want to talk about your new book. You have just just launched a book last last month, and uh, this is interesting, and I think it's very timely. So tell us about the book and what it's about. Well. Uh, the book is uh, called Don't F This Up. And, you know, it's a it's a visceral title. But right now, I mean, due to the pandemic and everything, opportunities are going to be limited. And these young people are coming into an environment where things are very bleak and the opportunities are limited and the margin of error is less. So it's important that they get it right the first time. And in the book, I, I, I talk about a number of issues, many of them similar to what I talk about in my first book. But the two issues I talk about that are very important are alignment and gaps. When I talk about alignment, you have to, have, you have to understand what motivates you and match those beliefs with your personality, skill set, interests, and values. And if you, if you do that, it's going to help you later on when you're going through those difficult times. And the other thing you need to do is fill in the gaps is what, what skill sets do I need to develop to be good at this? What do I have and what, what don't I have? And you also then if you, and what you don't have, you either need to develop it or develop coping strategies, or you need to understand, I can't do this. Okay. And so, you know, 
you have to be true to yourself. You have to be honest with yourself because if you're not, you could have a mismatch, which is eventually going to come back and cause you problems and can result in dissatisfaction, personal problems, stress, burnout, broken marriages, drug abuse, who knows what else. But it's uh, so I talk about alignment and having the need to fill in the gaps and be trained. But what I also talk about is success is not one thing. Mm. Okay. Success is a number of things done consistently well over an extended period of time. And there are a number of things that are important. And I talk about them in the book. I, I talk about the, the, you know, the, how, how to develop habits, talk about discipline, et cetera. But one of the things I've done, which I think is different than some of these other books, I talk about what is important, why it's important, and how you do something about it. And it is very specific. Uh, I have, uh, it's grouped into three, fives, and tens. Again, they're my favorite numbers. But most of them are like, say, okay, these five things are important. And this is, this is what you do, do about it. So, I, for example, failure. Why is failure important? That may sound weird, but I talk about why failure is important. Mm. Okay. And then what do you do whenever you are encountered with failure? Okay. These are the steps, things like that. I talk about how to develop discipline, how to develop better habits, uh, how, how to put together a strategy, how to develop goals, things like that. Th- these are all things that these young people aren't being taught in school. Mm, okay? yeah, but yeah. this is real world stuff that's going to enable them to be successful. And, you know, it's great to have all the answers, but if you don't know what, the, what questions to ask, how are you going to get the right answers? So mm-hmm. this is a chance for these people to know what questions to ask, to get the answers, to get it right, to optimize their chances for career success and fulfillment. Really good. I think it's timely. I mean, like you said, the the your your room for error right now is 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 tight. I mean, we have there's less there's less opportunities. You know, there's you know we we have you know we have a lot of a lot of problems right now. We have a lot of. I mean, I don't even know who's hiring right now in terms of big people coming out of college looking for a job right now in the middle of COVID, right? Who's, who's getting interviews, who's getting hired. So you're, you have to be, you have to be very good if you want to be successful, if you want to do the things you want to do in your career. So I think it, the timeliness of this book is, is really important. Um, and it just, it just came out what a, mo- a month ago, right? If I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah. 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 That's good. So, um, you know, have you got some early feedback from uh, some people have read through it or what are, what are people saying? Not as they too get much. It? I mean, it's, okay. I've gotten, a, gotten some feedback, but uh, the feedback I have gotten back has been very positive. And I think it will continue to be because this That's stuff good. works. That's yeah, it, an important it, message. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, you know, th- this is stuff that, uh, uh, that works. It's, and it, it's proven, it gets results and it works. It's not based on theory. It's based on actual results. It's, mm. it's based on stuff that you've done that I've done. I mean, this is not complicated, but this is, these are issues and, 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 and principles and, and tactics that are not taught in school. Mm. Okay. There's a, mm. see, when you go to school, you, you, you go to school to get good grades. Well, you don't go in business to get good grades. You you go into business to get something get something accomplished. And they're in they're in line, they're, there's a gap. There is a problem. So this bridges the gap between their education and the like real that. world. I like okay? that. Yeah. Now, yeah. 
Now they're, they're told, okay, yeah, I mean, they're told everything's going to be all right. Uh, or you know, if you go to good school and get good grades, you'll be fine. But maybe it's not going to be all right. Mm-hmm. And it's probably not going to be all right, even more so today with, with, with what is going on. And you're right about the margin of error. It is uh, really shrinking. And that's something I bring up in the in the book about the margin of error. But I mean, I think right now, John, many of these companies are kind of in a holding pattern. And when they come out of this, which we will come out, science and time will take care of this. I'm convinced it's just a question of when the science is going to catch up and mm-hmm. how long it's going to take. And I mean, I could go on the Internet and find an opinion for just about yeah. anything that I exactly. want right now. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. 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 But uh, but but at the end, these uh, these companies may end up with some type of a hybrid arrangement, too. They may find I don't need this many people. I can work this and stagger that. So we have to see how this is going to shake out. And these uh, young people need to be aware as to what's going on and adapt to these circumstances and come up with new strategies as well. Oh, I think that's great. I think, like I said, I think the timing of this book is fantastic. I think, you know, for those of you who are listening, if you're, you know, just starting out your career, you're listening to get some leadership advice or what have you, this would be a great book for you. You want to set yourself apart from the people that you're, if you will, competing with in the workplace. This is a great place to start. You know, if you want to learn how to be successful, listen to people who have been successful. That, those are the people you want to listen to, you want to align yourself with, you want to be around. So mm-hmm. I think someone like yourself, who's had a lot of success in your career, you're the type of person that people need to seek out and listen to. So, uh, you know, that's, it's, it's, it's one thing to have an Instagram account where you have a bunch of pictures of me in front of a jet saying, hustle. I'd rather listen to the person who's actually been in the trenches, have had success, and then how, how, and, and you, you lay out, I know in this book, you lay out a blueprint for success. And I'm sure in the new book, you're doing a similar thing for people coming into this world and how to, how to be successful. I think, I think look for that blueprint. If you're young and you're getting started in your career, look for a blueprint. This book is that blueprint. As far as I can tell, I haven't read it yet, but I, I am going to read it. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, that's exactly how I ended up writing my book, John. I, over the course of my career and over time, I was just sought out by young people or parents. Can you talk to my son mm-hmm. or daughter mm-hmm. and give them some help? And so I, I was just surprised that everything that I was talking to them was just, it was foreign to them. It was like, you know, you see the, they go, that's really good. Yeah. So yeah I mean, you've yeah. never thought of that before. I know, it's funny. Okay. And I'm going, to, you know, I said, are you serious? Yeah. And yeah. so none of this, stuff is talked about in in school and not so long ago i gave a talk to a marine rossi unit and when i was done a couple of them came up and says where can i buy your book I, said, <laughs> well, I, I don't have a book i said this is just what i think that you all need to do and they said well you need to write a book so and people have been encouraging me to do that and i had the time to do it so i did well and you're on your second one too john now you, that's right. You're now you're on number two. That's great. Well, you're yeah. further along. I, my number two isn't out yet, so it's getting okay. closer though. So, <laughs> so well, very good. How can people find out more about you and your books and what you do? Okay, I have a website it's called fredstuvac.com, fredstuvac.com, and on it I have uh, 
bio, blogs, uh, podcasts, interviews, and links to uh, sites where you can buy it, such as Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Apple, et cetera. I even have a contact button there. If you have any questions, want to get hold of me, uh, I'm on there as well. And, you know, before I wrote this first book, uh, what did Darwin say? It's not the strong that survive, it's those who adapt. Well, up until the time I wrote this book, John, I was was a social media ghost, but I was told I had to. So I, I you know, <laughs> reluctantly, I, I came on board. And so I'm, I have a presence and I you know I, I'm on there. And I, I started getting a little more active uh, probably about 10, 10, 11 months ago. But uh, you have to today. Yeah, you can say, yeah. well, I don't want to. I don't like to. It doesn't matter. This is what you need to do. You have to adapt. Yeah, yeah. You have to, this is you have to do it. If you don't, you won't be as successful. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, it's about anyhow, adapting. Social, yeah. Yeah. yeah so on you're, social media. Yep. You're on uh, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. I, I, that's, we met on Twitter. That's where we first uh, met each other was on Twitter, which, uh, um, you know, I'm thankful. I met a lot of great, great leaders uh, just on Twitter. You know, it's funny. People talk about social media being a problem and it is, it can be. And, and some people spend all their day just arguing back and forth on politics or whatever the issue is. I've used it as a learning tool and I've, I've been using it as a networking tool and I've met some amazing people and you can take a tool like Twitter and use it for your success as well. And it doesn't have to be uh, someplace where you're just screaming and yelling at each other all the time. So, yeah, you know, one of, one of the things I've found, John, is you can't be, you can do anything, but you can't do everything. Mm. Okay. So when it comes to social media, you can't do all of it. So one of the things I've done is I've concentrated on one platform and I started doing this about a year ago. I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to spend most of my time on, on Twitter. Now I, I, I am very disciplined about how much time I spend on there because you can get OCD about it and, yeah. and then that's not good either, but you're right. If you use it right and you can make some good connections, meet some interesting people such as yourself and I mean, there are some trolls out there, but I mean, I, I don't take it personally. Hmm. I mean, if you don't know them and they don't know you, how can it be personal? It's, it's just words. It's, it's just right. coming from something. It could be a bot for all we know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, who knows, John? I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, like I said, I think it can be used for good. And I know you use it for good and I do. And I think there's a lot, there's a, a group of people out there that are trying to make themselves better and they're using tools like Twitter to, to make it happen. There's nothing wrong with that. So, uh, so you can, you can use, uh, you can use these things for good as well as for wasting time too. <laughs> so, but I choose yeah. to use them to learn, uh, to meet people like you to try to grow as a leader. And uh, that's what I've been trying to do with it. In fact, this podcast, I get a chance to meet people like you and I'm, I'm learning so much when I listen to these episodes and I listen over and over again, I'm thinking, oh, I missed that when we were talking. So it's really good to get this stuff down because I'm learning every day. And I think that uh, and smart people are listening to podcasts as they're going back and forth to work and they're, they're becoming a better leader, a better person, a better, um, you know, a uh, better father, a better husband. You know, mm -hmm. I think people are trying to better themselves. I think that's great. I think podcasts are amazing for that, uh, for that very reason. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. And, uh, John, I appreciate you having me on and, uh, you know, I don't have a podcast, but if I ever do, I'll ask you to come on, but <laughs> I wait because I'm probably not going to do it. I don't, <laughs> know, but, uh, I enjoy doing the podcasts, uh, particularly with people such as yourself. And, 
Uh, again, I think if you listen to some of these podcasts on people that are successful, there's some common threads that weave throughout all of these podcasts, all the stories. And those threads are the fabric of what makes someone successful. Mm. So if people are listening and learning, okay, and grasping what's being said, accept it and make the changes that are necessary, uh, they'll, uh, they'll be fine. Oh, that's great. I like that. So, so thank you very much, Fred. I appreciate that. So um, everybody check out, uh, we're going to put links to, uh, to Fred's resources, uh, his website, the books. Uh, so, and we'll have uh, also his social media uh, links as well. We'll put that in there as well. So you can reach out to Fred like I did and uh, learn from somebody that's been there and done that and has been very successful. So uh, Fred, I really appreciate you, all your insight and all your contributions to the show. Okay. Well, thank you very much, John. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. So that's it. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. DC, I host the rock podcast Back to the Arena, the interviews. It's about a 30 minute podcast where I talk one on one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the interviews. Electric acid.